What's up guys, it's me again. Been a while since I did this, but I was bored. I didn't have anything else to do, so I figured I'd go ahead and do the second episode for the Mind of Keen podcast. Um, first one was really happy with. was a bit shorter than I intended, but also like didn't have a topic I could really ramble about. Um, also didn't really think about what to do for this episode until literally like maybe... 30 minutes ago <laughs> um like I said didn't have anything to do it's like 11:30 at night I figured hey why not you know um you know first episode recorded it middle of the night when I didn't have anything else to do um and it seems like that's just gonna that's gonna be the trend I keep up with but this time around um this just kind of want to be a check-in kind of thing see how you guys were doing um talk a little about how I've been doing lately I've been great um was finally able to get to the DMV and get a state ID and I needed that if I was actually going to be able to get on a plane in May had to open a drink there sorry um but yeah no uh just want to check in with you guys see how you all have been doing um you know especially since uh with all the impeachment stuff going on in the news uh the vaccine obviously which you know hopefully if you've been wanting to get it you were able to get it uh if not hope you're able to get it as soon as possible um as for me don't know when i'll be able to get it uh i'd like to get it probably before uh me and my family go on vacation but if that's not the case and hopefully like get it when we come back um but yeah no uh, for this episode, I want to talk about, like, some of my favorite, and this is going to be, like, part of a, probably a three-episode sequence where I go through and talk about it, and, um, just favorite TV shows and stuff like that. And today, seeing as how, I don't know why I said that's so weird, but today, seeing as how it was the 100th episode of the series, I decided to go through and talk about Ruby, um... If you don't know Ruby, it's a uh, American-produced anime made by Rooster Teeth, um, a company that, for the past year or so, has, whenever they're like actually brought up in any kind of entertainment news, it hasn't exactly been good between the layoffs, the two incidents they had back in God October, I think is what it was. But yeah, um, but regardless though. Uh, they've been able to push on. They've still been able to pump out really good content, um, which I've been happy about. Even just because, like, even without all this controversy and stuff like that, I didn't know how COVID was going to affect them. But luckily, it hasn't affected them too badly. Uh, haven't been able to watch Eleven, Little or is it Dead Little Roosters this time? I don't know. It's like the third or fourth one they've done. Um, haven't been able to watch that though yet, because just. I don't know. Whatever, like, they release it, I'm either busy or invest in something else at the moment. Like, um, today, I was gonna go through after, uh, episode 9 of Ruby Volume 8 and go through and watch the two or three or maybe even, it's maybe even before at this point, episodes that they put out of Dead Little Roosters. And, <laughs> boy, did that plan get tossed to the side. Holy crap. Like, I've kind of raved about this with, um, 
you know friends i have who are interested in the show or on tumblr but this may be my favorite volume of the show you know like because i can't really include the first three volumes in that because i watch volumes one through three during the hiatus while waiting for volume four that was the first time i ever watched ruby i watched all of them in one go so like pierre's death as much as i as much as that sucked i didn't really get to like ingest her character as other people may have just because like i literally went through it all in one day um but uh yeah i've been constantly watching it every single time a new episode drops since volume four it has easily become my favorite show that rich teeth has ever put out and like i said this volume hang on i gotta clear something off of my screen right quick this volume has easily been my favorite for multiple reasons one just as in terms of how it looks everything has looked great from the fight scenes the grim the uses of semblances and the magic have all looked really great especially in today's episode like oh my god oh. <laughs> but like i can't stress that enough the animation team has done so damn well with this and it's been insane um you know saw in my opinion i know like a lot of people like since monty passed it felt like the fight scenes haven't hit the same because they haven't been as fast paced they've been more like drawn out haven't been as uh fluent in terms of stuff but i really feel like ever since volume five excuse me it has been steadily and steadily improving you know and um but before we get to volume six, I just want to talk about, like, what I like about a show and what drew me into it, right? Because obviously, you know, like, like with most anime, because, like, when I first started Roshi Ruby, I, the only anime I had ever watched was Dragon Ball Z. Like, keep that in mind. Didn't watch Bleach, didn't watch Naruto. Um, like, if we want to get, like, I had watched The Abridge of Helsing Ultimate by Team Four Star, but I don't count that because it wasn't the original series. Although I did get around to watching the original Helsing Ultimate. And it was shocking of how, like, for the most part, in terms of character, like, personality, stuff like that, Team Four Star stayed true. Um, especially with Alucard and uh, really just all the main people of the Hellsing organization. But anyways, like, but prior to that, Dragon Ball Z was the only anime I had ever watched. Like, growing up, it wasn't really my thing, you know, like, plus it was also, like, which I know this is humorous coming from a pro wrestling fan but i kind of thought it was kind of geeky or nerdy kind of weird which again i know adorable coming from a fucking pro wrestling fan and a open pro wrestling fan at that but you know i was god when did volume four come out 2016 i was 15 or 16 at the time i was a freshman in high school so cut me some slack but yeah no i went through digested all of volumes one two three um in one go uh volume one i didn't really hit that like okay i'm i'm drawn in point now until uh god god okay volume one volume one if i remember correctly that it ended with uh yeah okay so volume one if i'm remembering this correctly which i like to think i do my memory for the show is pretty dang good just because i've argued with people a lot who end up getting actual story details mixed up with their own headcans and stuff like that. But volume one, I didn't really get really invested to it until like 
the last four episodes <laughs> when like the white fang conflict and like blake and weiss have their big argument where you know like um blake lets out that she's a faunus and has been a faunus this whole time and weiss immediately goes you're a terrorist and blake and yang are like eh, let's let's pump the brakes you know let's not accuse someone of something like that you know yeah she was in the white fang but that doesn't mean she's like you know the ones who have attacked her family also penny gets introduced as volume for the longest time after i digested volumes one through three all at the same time and part of it was because at the time i had it playing like beside me i was still paying attention but i was also gaming at the same time when i was watching uh volumes one and two so it didn't have my full undivided attention at times um but like i remember going through and re-watching volumes one two three and four during the hot it's just become my thing to go through and watch all over it before a new volume starts but i learned i don't do it all in one day so like let's say like you know like monday volume one tuesday volume two wednesday volume three so on and so forth and i'll do that until like the week leading up to the uh next volume which since it's about to hit double digit volume soon i'm gonna have to start watching like two a day at some point but that's two years ahead in the future uh but yeah no volume one and it was the episode where after like it was the episode where blake and son start to spy on like um the white fang where blake doesn't believe that they're actually being involved with like roman or criminal activities in Vale. And, you know, so she says that's to investigate. Son tags along just because, you know, he was just like, eh, why not? You know, I'm here. I'm a new character. Pay attention to me. That was really, like, the whole reason he was there. Um, but they go through. They do their thing. Meanwhile, you know, Penny, Ruby, Weiss, and Blake are all, or Weiss and Blake, Jesus, Weiss and Yang. They're looking for Blake, you know, and, like, Another one of the things that drew me was just Penny in general. Like, I didn't realize how much I like liked Penny as a character until she was dead for uh, three volumes, including volumes. Or, uh, yeah, three volumes. Three volumes, not including volume seven. But when she was gone for three volumes, I didn't realize how much I actually liked her character, you know? And just, like, where, like, she was the first point to point out, just like, oh, that she's a faunus? And Ruby was like you knew if Penny was like yeah <laughs> and like if i remember correctly ruby has a line where it's like she really does like tuna a lot or maybe like i can't remember if that's an actual line or if i'm just remembering like where Lindsay jones her voice actress uh when it was her kara eberly aaron zach and barbara dunkelman during a special ruby version of the uh rt podcast we're talking about like lines that she wanted to improvise when like it was revealed that blake was a fun and stuff like that all these jokes but I'm almost certain that tuna line was an actual line in the show. I'm going to have to go back and watch that episode now. Uh, but yeah, no, just like that. There, it was very late into volume one. Um, but that's what, you know, drew me in. Just because of the fact that, like, I didn't pay attention to Team Juniper as much. Just because of the fact that I was like, well, the show's called Ruby. They're not going to play a big role. Then fast forward seven years later, and they're kind of playing in a pool of three of them are. Because the others, you know. Um that could have sounded great but anyways um you know and then volume two and volume two is a tale of dances crushes and mountain glens <laughs> but i mean that was that was to me 
watching it that was like the main focal points was like jean still trying to get weiss's interest meanwhile pierre is over here like oh no notice me you know not her for god's sake there was literally a song off the soundtrack of volume two which is an absolute bop it's called dream come true um where like literally like that's that's that whole song is told from like pierre's perspective you know and it was just like which i thought was really kind of funny that they put that song on there but then again you know it follows the trend of like really if you think about it every single song from the ruby soundtracks can be from someone's perspective you know really the only ones that couldn't be just from one single person's perspectives or perspective is the intro songs but then you can make the argument that well that's the perspective of team ruby and our heroes um or like darker ones like the one for volume eight which i'm forgetting the name of it's great i love it it might be you know i might like it more than when it falls but we're like when it falls and songs like that they're told from the evil side of things and so you know like but that was the first time i ever noticed that wait a minute this song is kind of like being sung by a character okay that's neat and then that made me like it even more um which sidetrack the soundtrack's played such a massive part in me deciding how much i was going to enjoy the show like holy crap jeff williams and casey and everyone who helps them with the soundtrack have yet to make a song that isn't an absolute banger you know yes compared to some of the other songs they may share a um you know soundtrack with they may not you know be in the top three for that soundtrack out of the seven or eight vocal tracks that'll be there but every single song they put out is great. All of them can be, and think about it is like, like for me, you know, like I've used a Ruby soundtrack just to when I'm like vibing, you know, when I'm trying to write, when I'm working out, it literally can be used for anything. And that's, you know, that adds to just how like awesome it is. Like, and if you haven't told by this entire episode, it's just going to be like me marking out about my favorite things about Lou, Louie, Jesus, Ruby because it just i just i just really like this show guys <laughs> it's easily my favorite show that i consistently like get excited to watch like before ruby the only show i cared about this much every single time a new episode dropped was walking dead you know like seasons one through five like i was like i would purposely put on amc like two hours early just so that way like i know i could catch the start of it and not worry about it you know and like that obviously petered off just because like i think i think it's more so i got burnt out on it like because you know like like i think a lot of people before like they hit that rough patch by like season seven or eight i believe you know where it's just like they were putting out so much walking dead content that i got burnt out and so like i never really got back into it until like they were in that rough patch but luckily now you know it's on netflix so if i ever get the urge to go back and watch you know the volume or seasons that i really liked it's no problem uh allergies they suck especially for me like i don't know about y'all but like i'd rather actually have like a cold or like a stomach bug than my allergies ever kicking my ass just because like i'm sure i sound nasally as hell and that's again you know just because of like not outdoor allergies but like for indoor dust kills me but that's just sidetrack me rambling as i tend to do but yeah no volume two was uh, probably if I had to rank the first like what I consider like the first half of Ruby which is volumes 1 through 4 
just because of the fact that after volume five and on you know stuff really started to ramp up you know uh if i had to pick um volume four is definitely my least favorite volume um it's still my least favorite volume now like it's definitely dead last uh but it goes volume four volume one volume three and volume two now the reason why volume two takes a first stop is just because like really because the whole mountain glen thing you know like you know just because Ublek is a fun character <laughs> he's a character who's cracked out of his mind on caffeine um we get to see team coffee in action for the first time the whole like fight in the underground rail system at mountain glen the final battle in the square the veil square i don't actually know if it was ever given a name but it was right in the middle of the town with the breach and you know and then like adam that last scene where it's like cinder emerald and mercury on that roof and it's either emerald or mercury that's like well, what do we do now and then like adam comes up just like leave it to me <laughs> or something like that but you know and we'll get to him too and i can promise you this isn't gonna turn into me bitching about how they waste this character so i'm gonna be honest never thought adam was interesting he had a cool semblance that's where it ended you know like when i end up talking about like naruto you you'll get to hear just how much i don't really like edgelord characters right like i'm not someone obsessed with him to the point where if i had to make an oc for a wattpad story he wouldn't be edgy and dark and have a tragedy i just don't think i think it's cheap but anyways um but yeah no uh at the time we still didn't really know um much about like at the time this was i think was volume two volume two i if i remember correctly was the first time we actually heard cinder speak and the first time we actually saw her because volume one we only saw a glimpse of her where in like episode one where roman and junior's goons are robbing the uh dust till dawn uh dust store and you know and then like when glinda shows up he like yells out to cinder you know we got a huntress and she goes from being the pilot to like fighting glinda and we get to see her semblance for the first time um yeah no volume two we get to see and hear cinder speak for the first time um and then you know emerald and mercury killing a dude <laughs> in their first appearance which is mercury super kicking a dude's presumably his head off you know um just because the fact that like i'm i, I know the sounds kind of differ but i'm pretty certain mercury has like shotgun shells in his boots like yang has in gauntlets or at least that makes sense to me just because you know i mean like i very much doubt it's a smaller caliber round but um the whole dance thing was like a really nice downtime until cinder tried until cinder bugged the you know communications tower but like the whole bit was like you know jean realizing pira didn't have a date so he went and fulfilled their like bet of like he'll wear a dress if she couldn't get a date and then he also like tells neptune like stop being a bitch dude you know go go hang out with weiss no one here is gonna care if you can't dance right you know and then the team juniper dance sequence which was awesome fun you know and just volume two in general like was one of those like hell yeah kind of volumes no where it's just like you know they're struggling but for the most part everything's going right which dear god looking back on it now should have been a massive red flag going into the next volume which i'm sure for the fandom 
they picked up on it. But again, as someone who watched the first three volumes all at once, I didn't really notice. And very quickly, you know, after the first episode of Volume 3, obviously, and seeing the opening, I was like, ugh, that's dark. You know, like, obviously, you know, for the most part, all the opening themes kind of have dark undertones. You know, but this one was, you know, with the whole scene of, like, Teams Ruby and Juniper, you know, falling through the sky, Team, and everyone getting, like, broken away from each other. The grim attacking beacon, um, the shot of, I believe, it was Oz and Glinda in Oz's office, and there was, like, a mirror, and it had a bunch of, like, grim behind it. That kind of gave me Kingdom Hearts vibes. So, like, that gave me a big nostalgic boost when I first saw it for the first time. Um, yeah, no, Volume 3, like, God. You know, I feel like Volume 3 is, like, it's always going to be one of those instances for a show. You know, like, every long-running show, especially one that's an anime or just an action, you know, adventure animated show, you know, they always have that one season where, like, if you're trying to get someone into it or they're interested in watching it, you know, that's always going to be the volume or season where you go. You know, like, oh, if you thought, you know, some of these things were bad, just wait till, till you get to, you know, just wait till you get to this, you know. Because I remember when I had my buddy Zach and Chance watching it, they started being able to piece together things pretty quickly. Like, they both pieced together Pierre's death pretty quickly and Penny's death pretty quickly. So I literally just made some stuff up, like, nah, Penny, she's, for the most part, you know, nothing really happens to her. And Pierre, you know, don't get me wrong, she gets her ass kicked, but, you know, she's able to recover and die. Which I think they were on. Unha- I know Chance especially did like that swerve, <laughs> just because. Oh God, I loved his reaction to Pierre's death. Like we were watching it in my living room, and then you know Pierre gets the arrow to the heart, and then she gets turned into like the dust cloud or whatever the hell it was. And like he like threw his phone down. He was like, "What the fuck?" And just like that was, I was so proud of myself that day. But yeah, I know what can be said about volume three that hasn't already been said before other than the fact that that was a wake-up call for the fandom that you know this show is not it, it's no longer about like good times you know and some people who like actually take the time to actually critique the show instead of just bitching and moaning and bitching and moaning uh, because that's all they're really good for um you know, they have said that they wish it could get back to the good times of Volumes 1 and 2. But, I mean, like, be honest. Would the show be as interesting if that was the case, you know? Like, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of shows where it's literally like, you know, yeah, there are rough times, but, you know, heroes come in, they get their spot, they do the damn thing, and then everyone is able to go home happy at the end of the day. But, I mean, like, I wouldn't be as invested in it if that wasn't the case like this may make me sound like a damn sadist man but like today you know with um i'm not gonna say like exactly what happened but you know i mean obviously you know like um the stuff with oscar you know like some people may hate that but like cliffhangers like that like i I love that shit dude (laughs) you know like it's one of those things that i genuinely enjoy just because you know like already you know you were gonna watch it but that really makes it from going like yeah i'll watch it later in the day or later in the week to like i i the minute it drops i need to watch um you know and that's like if beacon never fell um you know 
Well, the good thing is, if Beacon ever fell, we wouldn't have had the too many cooks in the kitchen issue that Volume 4 had with constantly having to keep up with everyone and, you know, like... Which, I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that the show's always been perfect, you know? I mean, there were definitely times where, like, the writing of Ruby in the first four volumes made me go, well, that could have been explained better. Or, what the hell's going on about this, you know? Like, for the longest time, everyone just assumed that Raven left Yang because she just didn't feel like being a mom. You know, like, they kind of just made us think, like, so her mom went to get milk? <laughs> like, that was really all we had to go off of. And now we know it's more so, you know, the fact that she was batshit scared, and because Raven is clearly a character that doesn't know how to vocalize what the hell she's actually feeling, she immediately just tried to, you know, in volume five, when her and Yang were down the vault, she basically tried to cover it up by saying, like, me being a mother would have, or just, like, in their conversation of Volume 5 in general, Raven basically tried to cover it up with, like, you know, saying, like, me sticking around and being a mother, that it would make me weak, you know, and weak die the strong live. But in reality, it was because Raven is quite possibly the most batshit scared character in the show, you know? And, um, I really do believe that just because of the fact that, again, her conversation with Yang, um kind of prove that you know like and i think yang even had like a really good point where she even said like you know yeah i am scared but i'm still standing here whereas like you know she probably kind of knew no matter like she probably knew raven wasn't gonna strike at her or actually try to hurt her but either way raven was gonna leave again she just probably didn't expect her to go to her ex were they ever married hang on was it ever stated that yang Taiyang and Raven were actually married? Or were they just dating at that point? Either way, Yang probably didn't expect Raven to end up at, like, you know, Taiyang's place. She probably just expected her to meet up with the rest of the Bronwyn tribe. Um. And just go back to being a tribe that probably listens to Bon Jovi's Wanted Dead or Alive on repeat 24-7. Um. Cause that's what I would do in that situation. I definitely made like if I had a tribe like that, a bandit tribe, it'd literally just be like wanted dead or alive, you know, man it when the man comes around by Johnny Cash. Like songs like that, that would be like the tribe's anthem. And then just some like I don't know, some dance pop. Maybe a fucking like God, what the hell's the name? The dude Sigh. Maybe just a Sigh song, you know, just to like throw people off. Out of the way. That's kind of stupid, actually, but I don't care. That sounds kick-ass in my mind. Um, but yeah, no. And then, you know, get to Volume 4. Weiss is back in Atlas because Jacques is like... I don't... It's just... Atlas will keep you safe when Beacon couldn't. Is basically the reason why. Um, Blake is feeling mass guilt for Yang now being an amputee, so Blake runs away. Um, and her whole reasoning for that you know, was the whole, like, okay, well, if I'm not around any of my friends, Adam and the White Fang can't hurt any of my friends, and then Sun says, you know, bitch, you thought, I'm back again, you know, like, sidekick for life, um, <laughs> uh, I don't mean to pick on Sun like that, I like Sun a lot, but joke was there, it's just funny, um, 
you know, and then Ruby, she goes with Ren, Nora, and Jean, who are down a redhead now because she got turned into ashtray dust. And, uh, but, you know, one of the bright spots of Volume 4, we get to meet Oscar. Or as Nora calls him, little cute boy Oz. Um, and we just know he was, he was a farmer. You know, he, he knew about hard work. He knew about hard times. I imagine, you know, he would have been a real big Dusty Rhodes fan if Dusty Rhodes existed in Ruby just because they both know about hard times. Um, and then, you know, some old man who, you know, at the time we just thought was just a strong huntsman who was a headmaster of a huntsman school. Apparently, he's reincarnated. He's in your head. You got an old man in your head and you're a 14-year-old. Good luck. <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously, you know, volume four, we get to actually see you know, what happened to Cinder after Ruby fucks her shit up with her silver eyes. We get to see, you know, some of the other villains, Hazel, Arthur, Watts, almost said Arthur Morgan. <laughs> um, thanks, Red Dead. That's one of those things, just to sidetrack here, like, have y'all ever played a game or watched a movie where there was just one character you really loved, and so now whenever you hear that character's first name for other media, you're mind like immediately thinks of them and not the character that's being put in front of you like when i first heard that like watts's first name was arthur every single the few times we've heard his full name actually said whenever they say arthur i'm just like morgan because of red dead redemption <laughs> but uh you know volume four you know it was really volume four had like three bright spots for me okay Meeting Salem and her faction was cool, especially Tyrion, who, you know, yes, he makes me incredibly uncomfortable every time he's on screen because I think he's going to eviscerate someone because he's wacky, bold, crazy, and just batshit insane, but also he's an entertaining villain. Um, you know, and just getting to see that faction of a whole, you know, uh, and, I mean, Volume 4 technically, well, I guess not because he didn't speak, but, you know, Volume 4 you know, set the road for us to get Yuri Lowenthal as Mercury's voice actor, which is pretty damn cool. Um, never going to complain about ever watching or playing anything with Yuri Lowenthal in it. And, uh, hmm. Well, actually, maybe four. Because I'll put Klein in there, too. Klein, Klein, Klein's awesome. Klein's a great dude. Um, especially just because of the fact that, like, Weiss has kind of always been my favorite out of Team Ruby, you know, like, in terms of overall character, Weiss is probably my favorite, and then just in terms of, like, aesthetics and how they, like, do things, probably Yang, just because, like, I'm always a sucker for people who, like, prefer, like, up-close, hand-to-hand type shit, you know, in shows, which is why when I started watching Naruto, as you can imagine, my guy and Rock Lee very quickly became some of my favorites, just because it's, like, run a fade. Like, that's what they're about. They just constantly want smoke. And I love that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just because Klein, you know, he gives Weiss the type of, like, support she really needed. You know, and I like to imagine that after Winter went to Atlas Academy, Whitley had fully shut off, you know, Weiss in favor of being Jacques Shadow. That Klein was always there for her. Klein was like a dad to her. I mean, for God's sakes, he even calls her, like, by Little Snowflake or some cute nickname like that when she leaves the Schnee Manor. Um, but those two moments. And then the uh, Grim Dragon fight. 
that Sun and Blake have on the boat ride to Menagerie. That was cool. Very cool, Grim. Hope we get to see it soon, especially once they travel to Vacuo. Well, actually, they probably wouldn't need to because Vacuo is connected to Vale. It's like one they share a landmass. But either way, hopefully get to see it again soon because uh, it looks cool. Right? It's like a snake Godzilla because it can shoot electricity from its mouth and it's also a dragon. And then do Nukalevi? Nukalevi? I believe it's Nukalevi. Nukalevi. Nukalevi flows better, but I'm pretty sure it's Nukalevi. Either way, I'm probably gonna go back and forth between it. Easily at that point, the most terrifying Grim the show has ever had. By like, I was trying to talk during at the same time, apologies. By like, by far, right? Just because it's like, it's it's kind of like, I imagine it was probably inspired by the Headless Horseman. You know, just because like, fucking look at it. Like, you know, if you're listening to this and you've never watched Ruby before, look up Ruby Knuckle and try to like, spell it via how it's pronounced because I couldn't tell you the I couldn't tell you the spelling right off the top of my head. Um it looks cool. It's fucking terrifying. It's the reason that we got to find out some character development for Ren and Nora and them being shown as orphans. And uh well actually no that's five things. You know, getting to learn more about Ren and Nora. I'll never complain about those two being explored. Um and their relationship and how they ended up as they are as characters just because other than arcos like for me you know this is a pretty good point to bring up too so like obviously you know like shipping is a big thing for the ruby family you know people like to just see what type of like personality and like color mismatches they can have obviously you had the really dominant ones like white rose uh bumblebee arcos when half the ship was still sailing and not dead Renora, you know it's just like those ones that have a real big following then you have like the rare pairs stuff like that the fun ones um i really only shipped arcos and renora um i shipped blake and weiss there for a while i don't know why but i just like those two together more than like white rose or bumblebee or like white knight or um god what the hell is the ship name Ruby and Blake, Ladybug. Um, just like those two together more. But yeah, no, Arcos and Renora were really the only ones I was like, I, I, I need to like, I want content of this. Right, it doesn't matter if it's like fan art or actual like show material, I, I, I want it. Um, whereas now, really the only one like, I'll actively look up stuff for is Renora. Um, even with how shaky things have been this past volume it was looking on the up and up you know volume seven they had the they finally kissed and then it kind of got turned on its head because it everyone was kind of divided there for a bit but uh moved on for volume four uh favorite things about volume five what the hell happened in volume five weiss fought off a queen lancer basically by herself because pilot boy could only fly um, finally got a Yang and Raven confrontation. Blake and Sun 
were able to get the people in Menagerie to realize that the White Fang is not on their side and also ended up getting Ilya, everyone's favorite lesbian chameleon, on their side as well. Um, huh. I'm just now realizing how little I remember of Volume 5. Hmm. Hmm. Shit. Oh my god. Bruh, I really only remember Yang ending up at the Bandit Tribe, where she reunites with Weiss because Weiss was taken prisoner by the Bronma Tribe. The fight that Blake and Sun had with the Finnick brothers? Was that their last name? The Finnick twins brothers? Either way. The two, like, creepy, like, monk-type people for the White Bang who might have been Adam's spiritual leaders. I really don't know what the hell they were. I'd like to see more White Fang people like that, but I think the White Fang arc is kind of finished at this point. Because seeing Oh yeah, Sienna Khan was introduced this volume. <laughs> uh, I can be forgiven for forgetting that because in fact she had like, what, three minutes of screen time before she was killed? Because <laughs> Adam needed to take the throne of the White Fang. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, we find out Adam, his biggest pet peeve is just Blake stop being dependent on him. You know, like Adam stands, try to like say otherwise, but let's be honest here, people. If Blake wasn't given an abusive past and they needed an abusive character to tie that to, would Adam have even existed in the show? Like, nothing revolved around him. For all, But after, you know, the events of Volume 8, Chapter 7, and seeing what the Hound was, who knows, maybe we'll see him in a new form down the road. I couldn't do without it. Because again, it's like, I never understood the fascination with this guy. Like, yeah, he's got a cool semblance. His outfit was kind of cool. But like, other than that, he was a bull with a unique mask and a katana. That, and its sheath was a basically a sawed-off shotgun. That's like the only thing I can think of that made his character point interesting. Like, even when it was depicted as, like, maybe he cared about the White Fang more than he ever did Blake, still wasn't that interesting. He was still kind of just there to brood and, like, act tough. Like, again, it's like, fuck me, man. Like, <laughs> like if I'm being completely fucking honest here, this is going to upset some people, but I don't care. The mullet dude who Yang, like, knocked the shit out of at the gas station was more interesting than Adam. <laughs> like, y'all remember that dude? You know, she knocked his tooth out, and so he purposely led her to the Bronwyn tribe, and then, like, after she kicked his at his and his goon's asses, she was like, you know, he'll, like, Raven, you know, she'll, she'll kick your ass for this, and Yang was like, eh, I doubt it. I am her daughter, after all. Then he was like, oh, I am so dead. Um... Yeah, I know, Volume 5, that's about does it. Volume 6, though, Volume 6 is where things really start to ramp up, you know? Like, that's this is three straight volumes in a row now. I'm just like, it, it like, nothing can top this. 
and like again volume six i loved people like the bitch and moan since adam died that the writing and everything else for volume six really trailed off even though they didn't say anything until adam died but oh yeah volume five also they get the rel they also get the relic of knowledge and they protect haven in one of the most awkward fight scenes i think the show has ever had because you could just see characters standing around <laughs> they don't do that anymore thank god they learn from their mistakes but dear god man like <clears throat> oh god excuse me in terms of like oh god it's this is one of those things where you don't realize how much you didn't like something until you start talking about it and for the most part the final battle of haven never really like it didn't stick with me i didn't hate it but i didn't like it but now it's like i mean getting to see hazel semblance was cool and that's about it you know and then the other thing cool thing to happen when weiss showed off her new fancy queen lancer summons it involved hazel getting stabbed with it which i'm still curious to how that worked because he didn't have a visible wound so like did he actually get stabbed by it like or was it just like kind of like did it wrap around him and it gave the illusion that it stabbed him because like there was no wound you know and like a certain effect they just showed the dude stabbing himself with dust crystals i really doubt they would have cared too much especially after some of the stuff they showed in the last two volumes they definitely don't care about like showing injuries or wounds yeah, now anyways, on to volume six. Finally out of the Australian house. And, you know, you get to the, uh, you know, you get the plan to go to Argus. You know, that's the only way they can get into Atlas from the Argus military base. You know, we get to see the, um, the, uh, shit, I should not be forgetting this name because they're one of my favorite group types. Apathy, the apathy at the uh, farm and learning about them and dear god was that creepy you know and then like also like volume 6 we get to meet Maria everyone's favorite grandma and technically blind so right warrior I mean she's got fake eyes but yeah no um, and then obviously the huge lore dump that was fucking <laughs> episode 3 of volume 6 holy crap um, finally got to learn about Salem and Oz backstory weren't father and daughter like some people thought but they were lovers Ozma was her white knight literally you know he dies early due to sickness though she pleads to the brothers to bring him back god of light's like nah sorry can't do that balance is crucial yo and the god of darkness is like shit all you had to do was ask <laughs> And we get to learn how their dynamic work. And oh my fucking god, dude. The voice acting for the God of Light and especially the God of Darkness. Holy crap, dude. Like for a while there, I thought Ironwood and the God of Darkness shared a voice actor. I'm pretty sure they don't. But oh my god, dude. Like one of the things y'all are going to learn about me. Ways to get me to love a character. Give them a badass voice actor. Like holy shit, dude looking back on it now he gave me the vibes from him voicing the god of darkness the same way 
that Troy Baker gave when he was voicing Payne and when Neil Kaplan was voicing Madara. Like, holy shit, dude. The, just the tone and how, like, unsettling it is and how intimidating it is and how, like, but also grabs your attention. And, you know, and you're actually listening. Like, when both of the brothers were speaking, you paid attention. But especially when the God of Darkness was speaking, especially after, you know, like, where Salem leads the coup, they attack the uh, God of Light's resting place. God of Darkness shows up to help Big Bro. And he catches the magic, he explodes it, and she's like, I'll find more people. I'll tell them of what happened here on this day. And, you know, he just says, you don't understand. There is no one left. And it's just like, holy shit, dude. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that episode now because that, like, because holy shit. It's like, it, it gives you chills, you know, and it's just like, the delivery for that dude's lines he knocked it out of the fucking park he cracked a fucking window apartment oh my god i hope to god we get to hear more right like at some point i want to be able to like have salem or Ozma talking about like how like they went about day-to-day -day life you know even before they met and we get to see more of like the gods just so i can hear you know those two you know like do lines for the show again because again holy shit it was awesome you know and it's like that kind of delivery has stuck with the show in my opinion through volume six through eight you know you know just because like volume seven you know you could tell just by the way ironwood's voice actor was delivering the lines you could tell just how scared and worried ironwood was but he was still putting on this bravado bravado you know the slight and the slight fluctuations in Winter's tone, you were able to see through the mask that, you know, she's having just as tough of a job as, as it is. And, you know, and just, like, not in terms of also, like, how the voice actors do, but also the animation team do body language. Body language has been huge for the past three volumes, you know? Um, like, you know, it has been, like, you really can't stress it enough. You can't. Um, to the point to where, like, I honestly believe the body language has helped for dramatic scenes more or you know really getting emotions through and just like helping some scenes be more funny you know because it's like just like the subtle things you know like especially with Blake's ears like some of Blake's more sassier lines wouldn't be as entertaining or funny if like her ears also weren't matching how she was feeling you know but like again for the past three volumes to me the voice acting it's been great you know especially for like you know like for especially for Tyrion and Salem like Sinister or Sin Jesus how did I mess that up that bad but like for the past two volumes Jessica Negri has also been fucking phenomenal you know in her delivery of lines for Cinder especially during her fight against Winter and Penny in volume seven where she's going on about like you atlas you know you at lesions always think you're better than everyone because you've had a silver spoon in your mouth the whole time whereas for people like me i had to fight to survive and now that i finally got power i don't plan on giving it up soon you know or something along those lines and it's just been like i really can't stress it enough man like if the show somehow keeps finding a way to top itself right like i don't know how the show's gonna end 
right? Like, I've talked to, like, a few people on Tumblr and on Twitter and between other friends that I have who are interested in the show where, like, we should have the sentiment of, like, it'd be kind of cool to see, like, an all-out, like, war thing for a volume or two, which we're kind of seeing towards the tail end here of volume eight. But other people think it will mostly stay the same, and then, like, in the last two volumes or so, like, Team Ruby and Juniper, um, just, and I'm calling him Juniper just because I don't think... Oscar, Jean, Red, and Nor have a set in stone team name yet. I've seen a lot of people use different, a lot of other ones. Um, you know, just because like a lot of people with shows like this where shipping is huge, right? They do something that upsets me in the fact that they start looking towards which ships are going to be made end game canon as opposed to well, what's going to happen at the end of the show. Like, I mean, yeah, it'll be great to see some really good ships possibly end up becoming canon, but at the same time, it's like. I'm fucking invested as to what happens here, right? Just because, like, I really think we're very close to finding out why Salem is so worried about the Silverite Warriors. Because we've shown, you know, like, yeah, Maria took down what I believe was the Alpha Nevermore, but Nevermore's now, they're kind of mid-tier grim in terms of strength. You know, like, Ruby, you know, Two volumes now we've seen her use her silver eyes on a much more stronger Grim, and it's only slowed them down or temporarily frozen them. So it's like, you know, maybe for all we know, if a group of highly trained and skilled silver eye warriors use their eyes at the same time on Salem, she may end up getting fucking disintegrated. Just because of the fact that if you remember episode three, volume six, when the God of Light has Grim attack him, he does his burst of light transform into his dragon form, and it looks very, very similar to the burst of light that happens when Silver Ride Warriors use their powers, except his was gold and theirs was, of course, a just a flash of white light. But, like, me personally, I, I don't know why I took a breath like that. Jesus. It made me sound emotional. You know, like, I'm sure that made me sound like I was on, like, the verge of tears. You know, just, like, I'm just so passionate about the end of the show. But, um... <clears throat> For me, I'd like to see kind of a war angle, but I'd also, you know, like, at this point, I have full faith in Miles, Carrie, Kersey, and Eddie to do their damn thing, make it entertaining as hell, just because ever since those four started writing together, this show has just been so damn good. Like, before, Volume 7 was my favorite volume, Well, now Volume 7's gotten bumped down because Volume 8 has taken that fucking spot. Um, but yeah, no, this was, like... I'll say this, if you're not a first member, I'll say the wait for volume, I'm not going to say to pirate it, you know, always support the official release, always, especially during these times, the wait will be fucking worth it, when I say this is the, like today, or, uh, well technically it's 12.25am, uh, oh yeah, happy Valentine's Day by the way, shout out to the singles, like me. Who's really just going to be staying in and watch it? Well, never mind. Super Bowl happened. And I'll probably just play Apex all day. Sounds like a great plan. But, um... You know... But, uh... Yeah, no. Always support the official release. And again... Like... <laughs> the wait is worth... The wait is going to be worth it. Like, you are going to love it. Like, I'm not over-exaggerating when I say this is easily the best volume 
the best episode of Ruby that has been released. You know, as someone who has watched all 100 episodes, you know, and is going to watch, rewatch all 100 episodes at some point this summer, it is easily the best episode of Ruby the show has had. And I would have liked to go more into um, volumes 6, 7, and 8, but, you know, midway through, I decided, you know, let's not do volume 8 just because, you know, I know some people don't watch it until the whole volume is finished, you know, just so that way they can binge it all in one go. Um, and 6 and 7, part of it is, you know, like, because, um, well, one, don't want to have too big of a file, just because I'm starting to run low on space on my laptop, and also, at, like, I'm sure you hear me, like, my, my, my throat, my voice is starting to bother me, and I'm really not, like, I don't, I'm sure, like, once I get in a steady flow of, like, talking a lot, like, for an hour straight, like I used to, like, if I did this when I was still in school, then no problem, but it's been three years now since I was in high school, so, can't really talk a lot as well without my voice being like, please, break, but yeah, no, um, thank you guys for listening, next time I do this, I'll probably talk about, um, my favorite things and least favorite things about the Naruto series, because dear God, I can easily go for an hour on that. And also, a future episode may very well be, you know, me talking about how I would have written Naruto differently. Now, I was actually thinking about doing that for also, like, you know, how, like, just this type of series of, like, um, how I would have done Ruby differently, um, you know, or, like, I'll talk about a favorite angle that I had from pro wrestling and or least favorite and one that had a lot of potential that I'll talk about and say what I could have done for that. I might try to get chance on for that one. Um, but yeah, no, uh, thank you for listening again. Happy Valentine's day for anyone who's going to be listening to this today, later in the week. Um, and for anyone who's watching it later in the week, happy belated Valentine's day. What's the, I think it's belated. Yeah, it'd be belated. I'm pretty sure. Happy belated Valentine's day. Hope you had a good day. Hope you have a great week. And I will see you guys on the next episode.